Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Suzanne Blumson. As Syria starts to rebuild some of its devastated cities, neighbouring Lebanon is hoping to turn itself into a logistics hub for reconstruction, financed in part by China. Chloe Cornish, the FT's Middle East correspondent, tells Andrew England about why the port of Tripoli is key to these hopes. Chloe, you've written that a couple of new shipping routes have opened up between China and the Lebanese port of Tripoli. Why is China taking an interest in this Lebanese port? Tripoli is actually very close to Syria. It's closer to Damascus than the other two big ports in Syria itself. So in terms of looking ahead to what might be happening in Syria with more reconstruction, more rebuilding, Tripoli looks like quite an interesting place to be launching those kinds of activities from. It's also just a good hub in the Mediterranean for either Chinese companies or lots of other companies that might want to have a transshipment hub in the Mediterranean. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of Tripoli? Why does it stand out? Tripoli actually used to be part of Syria before the Ottoman Empire broke down. And then when those countries were re-divvied up, it was sort of annexed to Lebanon as the French made that country bigger. So it has very strong ties with Syria. And of course, Syria and Lebanon are very intimately intertwined as two countries anyway. Syria occupied Lebanon for many years. So those links are something that Tripoli would like to build on very much as it looks to be involved in the reconstruction of Syria. Lebanon's economy has been struggling since the beginning of the Syrian war in 2011. But Lebanese officials have been very clear that they think they can actually benefit from the reconstruction. Are there any signs that any reconstruction is taking place? We hear that it's going to cost $200 billion. That's just an estimate. We've seen the immense damage that's taken place across Syria. And the war is diminishing. Assad is in control. But we don't hear anything about the reconstruction actually happening. What's the status? I think there's a lot of hopes about reconstruction, but I think a lot of those are still not really backed up by the reality of the situation. While the war is diminishing, as you said, there's still sporadic violence throughout. There's definitely still a country at war with itself. The idea that there'll be this flow of money into Syria is, I think, kind of wishful thinking. Certainly some businesses are trying to rebuild themselves or factories trying to fix themselves up, but a third of all Syrian houses are estimated to be damaged or destroyed, according to the World Bank. That's going to take a lot of work, not to mention just the kind of damage to roads and other kinds of critical infrastructure that you need. And there isn't a lot of sign, to be honest, that there is reconstruction happening. And I guess the big question is who's going to pay for it? And would the Chinese actually be interested in getting involved when there is still violence going on? Yeah, certainly. I think China's very cautious about getting involved in Syria. So whilst it's maintained these very good diplomatic links with Damascus and it's always maintained an interest, it also has had experience of Middle Eastern countries turning bad on them. So in Libya, for instance, in 2011, thousands of Chinese workers had to be airlifted out when that country dissolved through revolution. And I think those kind of lessons have been very important in terms of how China considers whether or not it's going to get involved. There's just huge question marks over who will get part of this reconstruction bonanza or if it really will be the kind of bonanza that it's hoped to be. The Syrian state has been very clear on who it doesn't want to be involved. You know, it's really said quite openly, we don't really want Western countries to be involved in this. You guys have opposed this regime. But there's no signs that the West is even considering getting involved in reconstruction yet. So who do you think the players are going to be? 
exactly the West has said, or at least the European Union has said, that until it sees some kind of political process or transition, it's not going to offer any money for reconstruction. So that leaves you with sort of four main players, I guess. The Gulf countries, who historically have been turned to, they've been estranged from Syria throughout this war. They took the other side in the war. However, there are signs that those ties are starting to re-emerge. So you've got the reopening of the United Arab Emirates embassy in Damascus recently and the Bahraini embassy in Damascus. So there's certainly indication that some of those countries want to talk, but that's still really a big question mark over that. So that leaves you with the regime's key international allies, Russia and Iran. Russia and Iran don't have loads of money to throw around at reconstruction. Companies from both of those countries are taking good contracts in Syria in terms of some of the natural resources, but it's very unclear whether they'll be able to commit to any really major scale reconstruction activity, the kind that you would need in terms of hospitals, schools, roads, bridges, although I'm sure they will do bits here and there. So China has really been looked at as a potential main driver of reconstruction. Partially that's through the interest that China has showed in Syria in terms of sending delegations to Syria, participating in international trade fairs and the like, signing memorandums of understanding with the Syrians over trade and other sorts of bilateral issues. But at the same time, China's economy has also slowed down. There's certainly a great deal more focus in their One Belt, One Road planning, which is their flagship foreign policy infrastructure investment project about the return on investment that those projects are bringing back. So again, question marks over whether or not China is ready to commit, going to commit, what kind of scale it's going to commit to. So how significant then is the Chinese shipping route between Beijing and Tripoli in Lebanon? And what does that actually tell us about what they're doing? Is that related purely to Syria or do we see it as part of something else like the Belt and Road Initiative? The Belt and Road Initiative in which China has made key infrastructure investments on the historic Silk Road trade route from China across Central Asia to the Mediterranean envisages Lebanon as one of the terminus points, I guess, of that before you cross the Mediterranean. The Chinese ambassador to Lebanon said that Lebanon could be a charming pearl, is his words, a charming pearl in the Belt and Road. So you can see the interest in Tripoli just in that framework. The Lebanese, I think, see the shipping lines that have opened between China and Tripoli as tied to both of those ideas. The idea that Lebanon might be a strategic part of the Belt and Road, but also this idea that companies want to test the water, be ready with those routes for when infrastructure starts to be rebuilt in Syria in a serious way, bringing in the kind of materials that are needed, everything from window frames to steel and that kind of thing. I think that's how Lebanese officials want to see it. Whether or not China strategically sees it like that, it's much harder to say. Are there any other signs that this is part of a trend in Tripoli that we're seeing other countries invest or other types of Chinese investment in Tripoli? Is there any signs that Tripoli is being set up as a hub? Tripoli did get approval to take a loan from the Islamic Development Bank to improve its logistics infrastructure. It's also trying to develop a special economic zone, which would help it again to really cement itself as this logistics hub. It has improved and expanded its port capacities in the past couple of years, but it still needs more investment to really cement its position as this strategic hub on the Mediterranean that gets you access to Syria, Lebanon and those markets. So that's still to happen. Tripoli itself has not always been the most peaceful place. It's been very safe for the last couple of years, but prior to that, it's been a bit of a base of Sunni extremism in some parts of Tripoli. Finally, Tripoli also has a bit of an infrastructure around it problem. So it doesn't have a train line to Beirut or to Damascus. It doesn't have 
a particularly strong road infrastructure around it. The traffic between Beirut and Tripoli can be very bad. And Tripoli's very aware of that and they want to improve that too. But again, it's all something that needs to be paid for. The Lebanese government, actually there is no Lebanese government technically, there's a caretaker government. Lebanon had elections in May and they're still fighting and rancor in Beirut about who gets to have which ministries, which basically scuppered the creation of a government, which means that no one can sign off on major infrastructure projects. So even though Lebanon is due to get a lot of soft loans through from West Western countries as part of a package that was promised to it last spring. It can't do anything with these because it has no government to sign off on things. So this is a really big stumbling block for Tripoli as it tries to present itself as a major hub for the reconstruction of Syria. Despite all of its advantages in terms of location, it really is still quite hampered by the fact that it's in Lebanon, a country that doesn't have a functioning government currently, and it doesn't have the infrastructure in place around it to really make the most of that opportunity. Thank you very much, Chloe. Thank you. That was Chloe Cornish talking to our Middle East editor, Andrew England. We'll be back with another news feature tomorrow. In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offer at ft.com offer. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.